All right, Chris, thanks for coming in and meeting with me. Uh, we talked in uh, detail about what we want to discuss, but the main idea is to uh, get a point of view of what you have to go through when you get awarded a project from a GC, how you schedule your manpower, your material, your production rates, and uh, get as much information from you as we can to help understand what it's like from your point of view, how you can better do your job, be more efficient, and what can we do to help uh, with that process and not hold things up and try and mitigate arguments or uh, difficulties in uh, production, logistics, whatever. So covering a few uh, different topics. And uh, I'd like to start with uh, what happens after you're awarded a project when you get uh, a project and we sign the contract what sort of stuff do you have to start looking at to start planning for that project so me being the general superintendent of the company the first thing i'm going to look at is where and when is this job happening right mm -hmm. inevitably your team and my team ultimately want to get your team wants to get the job bought out my job wants to get it signed right they don't care when it's starting <laughs> they don't care who's going to be running it and the location so the first thing i do is i try and figure out when is this job happening and where is it right that starts my logistical um part of the job of who am i going to have do the job and when is it going to happen so mm -hmm. i have people available for you guys when you want it done yeah that's really one of the first things that happens from my standpoint from my office's standpoint, as a subcontractor, obviously we have to go through, once contract's signed, we have submittals, we have all kinds of things like that, um, shop drawings if needed, that have to get completed so that we can get, so that eventually I can get labor on the job site and material on the job site for you. That would be one of the first things that comes across when we get a job. Because mm, you got to make sure if there's any long lead times with material, you're yep. getting those uh, products approved by the design team so there, there's no problem getting them when we need them here on the job. Exactly, which is sometimes difficulty, whether it be from my team or your teams, that they understand the urgency of it. Mm -hmm. You know, my team getting shop drawings sent your team getting them back to us and approved then i've got to order material and if somebody sits on their hands in that pro process i end up with waiting and you end up waiting as the general contractor or we're trying to scramble, scramble. just to yeah to try make and it happen patch things obviously i'm going to make money and you guys are going to be more happy if i'm prepared and i come in and do my job and walk away that's right that's the best way to it makes everybody happy as long as it, that's the ultimate goal to be able to do that and how do we do that the best way possible. Um, so how do you schedule um, and plan your manpower and your supervision? So I would say, one, the how do you determine, I, I know, logistics as far as where the job is in comparison to where your people live, I'm sure is a concern, but how do you determine the person that you're going to put on that job to run that job and then how do you buy it out with your subcontractors and is it production hourly how does that work it's kind of two subjects right that we're talking about here you know when i'm going to find out who's going to be doing the job right first thing i've got going back to the first thing is location right and availability of my superintendents third thing might be with certain contractors we look at who they want from our team. I have 
at Roswell Drywall, many of these general contractors that we work with, we've had for many years, they know some of my people and they want certain people. Mm -hmm. So I try and take all three of those things, superintendent's availability, and then the, the size of the project can also play into it. If it's a big multifamily wrap job with a podium slab, I got certain superintendents that aren't capable of it, so I gotta put a superintendent out there that can handle stuff like that. Then I also try and take into account the superintendent of the, for the general contractor, who they want, who they're gonna get along with. I even, look, I even look at attitudes, you know? If I've got a southern gentleman that is into guns and race cars, I'm not gonna put one of my young superintendents that rides a, you know, a motorcycle to work every day, you yeah. know? They're not gonna get along. So I try and look at those things. Then when we get down the line to the, the subcontractor, a lot of it's the same situation. Who's available? Who's going to get along with this style of project? Mm -hmm. Who has this general contractor worked with before? I get calls all the time. I think even including from you that, hey, can I have such and such? Can, can I, I have, have Victor, such? please? Can I have Victor? Can mm -hmm. I have this person? And if it's possible, we try and accommodate. Yep. Here, as a subcontractor, relationships make for a big part of it, right? They're going to, you know... If they're not happy with who I've got out on the job site, it's only going to make my life as the subcontractor harder. So we try and try and you know make sure everybody's happy, and that's how we try and assign it. And then when it gets into how we work the job, we try and work per production. Roswell Drywall is no different than any other company that bid your guys' multifamily jobs like this, we have to work on production, right? We have to. So my guys, my subcontractors are assigned to this job as a production. They're, you know, supervisions in-house, obviously. The subcontractor work, we try and do as a production thing at all times. We try and do as little hourly work as possible. Uh, we do have some in-house hourly guys um for punch and stuff like that but we try and keep our hourly stuff to a minimum if i don't bid this per production i'm not going apples and apples with all the other drywall companies mm -hmm. out there so when i show up to a job and somebody wants me to you know hey do this do this jump from here to here it's not production for us and i'll lose in the situation so you'll always as you have in the past see i'll try and push to keep this job a production job mm -hmm. right Okay, so speaking about production, what in the past have been the best ways to keep that production efficient? And what are some of the things that in the past have hindered it and keeping it from becoming production? Or if things are running well and then something happens and you're not running well anymore, what are those things that we've got to think about as a GC? Again, it's the word production, right? We have to be able to flow from area to area. Where does that fall down, right? If you've got me five days on a floor, but you've got an electrician or a plumber eight or 10 days on a floor, how am I gonna move from area floor to floor, section to section, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the hardest things for the younger generation, right? They're getting pull, pulled from the guys above. They just want, you know, they want to see results. They mm -hmm. want. Roswell drywall in there hanging and finishing. They want to see that stuff covered up. From our standpoint, it's hard to make, not make people understand, explain to them that we need some room to run and we'll be more productive for you. We'll do a better job. 
right, if we're doing what we do and what we do is production. If I come in here and I piece, piece this thing together, I hang a floor here, two weeks later I come back here, I gotta leave bathrooms off because your plumber didn't get done, I'm not gonna produce the product that you're looking for mm-hmm. from me. That's what I think. And how does that impact you when you can't cost. do that? Cost, 100% cost. And uh, availability of people, right? Mm-hmm. It stretches the job out. My superintendent can't get done with that job. He ends up on this job for a year opposed to six months, mm-hmm. right? He is salary and bonus based, right? So the more projects he gets under his belt in the year, the more money he can make. Now I stick him on a job where he only has X amount of dollars as a, a bonus and he couldn't knock it out. My sub crew, same situation. Every time they have to break down and set back up mm-hmm. and move to a different area, that costs them time and money. I could put money in my contracts to accommodate that, but I wouldn't get any jobs. The dollar value per square foot is what it is against our competitors. Yeah. Right. So we would, we would lose money if I if I get like that. So as you've seen in the past, me and you will go at it a little bit, trying to get that schedule where our people can come here. Ultimately, we want the best job, and I think the GC should be one of their focuses. Also, is making your job the most desirable to come to. Right. Mm-hmm. So from my standpoint, before we get on to what the GC can do, right is that I'm trying to make it as, as desirable for my guys. So my superintendents, and I even say this to the guys when I hire them and I'm training them, is, is that you are here for the subcontractor, which I think goes up the ladder to the general contractor, right? If you make it ready for me when I get here, I'm gonna do my job. My superintendents come to this job, yes, number one priority is to make the general contractor happy. The number two priority is to make sure when that subcontractor gets to this job, he can open his van door, pull his tools out, and go to work. Mm-hmm. He isn't waiting for material to be unloaded, nails and screws not being on the job site, an inspector to show up. Well, as soon as that inspector shows up, you can start hanging. He could show up at 9, 10, 11. They want to pull out of their truck between 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning, and they want to go to work for their next 5, you know, until 5, 6 o'clock, whatever the job hours are. They want to pack their stuff up, and ultimately, they want to come back to the same exact spot. In construction, I think you and me would be very similar. We don't want to work a factory or office job where for 20 straight years we showed up to the same building, same office. We don't mind coming to the same place for 6 months, 10 months, a year. My workers are no different. They want to come here for 4 or 5 months, do this. There's a break between jobs, it doesn't bother them if they had a nice production time, Mm -hmm. right? Then they can move on to the next project and do the same thing. When they have to bounce around, it's not desirable. And it costs, it costs money. Either what happens, they walk away, I gotta pay somebody else uh, to come in here, and sometimes more, maybe even to complete some of their work, Mm -hmm. which from the GC to the subcontractor, when they don't perform for you, you gotta supplement them, right? Yep. What does that end? In the end, it costs you money. You can say it can come out of my money, and you can take me to court and do all this stuff to try and get money out of me to take care of that guy. But in the end, we've all lost. We've all lost money. We've all lost time that we have to spend going through that process, too, when we could have been using that time in different ways. And money in Mm -hmm. different ways. Absolutely. So. So what can we do to better make things ready for you and your guys like uh so one of the things you're explaining and you're 100 right on with that is the mep uh, rough end process uh for the weather sensitive rough and then having to get inspections done 
uh, it can tend to take a little bit longer time. So they'll have a longer duration, eight to 10 days for an area per floor. And, uh, and then they move down to the next one. And if you're in there for three quarters of that duration, how do you keep moving forward? What can we do to set it up? I mean, you have to be realistic in your sequencing and schedule making, right? That's it. I mean, that's what do you it's mean? It's kind by of a that? it's a sh short and long answer. Is that unfortunately you have to hold off the drywall, mm -hmm. or you may have to hold off another sub, whatever it is. But there's no sense of me coming out here, knocking out my work in five days, and I can't move to the next. Mm -hmm. Right? Me being a, you know, every one of these subs you have has two mobilizations in a way, maybe multiple. Right? They yeah. got the rough, and you've got the finish, right? Same thing with drywall. I've got a hang drywall, then I got a finish drywall. Mm -hmm. In most cases, it takes me a little less time to hang the drywall than it does to finish the drywall. And they can't happen at the same time, so it's one big duration. But And I have two different crews. Yep. I don't have hangers that finish, right? Yep. In production work, you have hangers, you have finishers. Mm -hmm. The hangers are going to finish a floor, for example, in five days, and a finisher is going to finish it in eight days after he's been given the whole floor. Yep. Well, I can't wait 13 working days to get the next floor because mm -hmm. your electrician needed 13 days. You've got to hold off me where once I start, I don't stop. So mm -hmm. it'll, and it will behoove you in your schedule, right? For all the reasons we just talked about. Guys leaving, guys not coming back. Mm -hmm. What happens if I get pushed off, which is a subject we're gonna talk about, right? But what happens is those guys are gonna work somewhere else by production. Yeah. They're not salary employees like mm -hmm. me and you, right? If at the end of this job, you don't have something for a month and a half, what do you do? I still get paid. You still get paid. My guys don't get paid. They get paid on production. If they don't hang 50 boards a day, they didn't make their money for the day, mm -hmm. right? So what's gonna happen when you tell me, hey, Chris, you're pushed off or Chris, you're only gonna get a floor every other week. Well, those guys are gonna go work somewhere else, whether it be on one of my jobs or someone else's jobs, they're gonna work. Mm -hmm. And are they gonna be available in a week? They get on the other job and they, they can be productive, they may not come back. Yeah. You know, do I have some control over 25 years working with some of my subcontractors? Yes, but not every time, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And, you know, that just, where you end up, that just loses all of us time and money, right? Yeah, so we, we planned for that and we talked about that before we got started out here and what was the best way to do it. And mm -hmm. we incorporated that into the plan. You, uh, myself, and uh, Adam sat down yep. and we talked it through and what was the best way and most efficient way. We went through the durations of the other contractors that were going ahead of you, what we anticipated for inspections. And then we input it into the schedule together until we could see how far out the uh, MEP and inspection process had to be before you could start and not stop. And uh, I don't remember exactly what that worked out to be, but I want to say we were, we waited until we were about a floor and a half or a floor and three quarters through with the MEP process before we started you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then that worked well on this one. Uh, we were able oh, to keep well. things flowing. We had a few uh, instances with inspections that slowed that slowed that process down. But by waiting to uh, have you come in, uh, the guys actually ended up going faster as we learned the process with the inspectors. Yes. They got going faster. And so that left a little bit of a gap that you could fill 
for a period of time with some more manpower and material if you can. Um, but if we had already planned for it, we knew we weren't going past what our baseline was. We could better it uh, where we could. But I think we had about a three-week uh, period on the fourth floor of 200B where we had some issues with inspections. Well, y'all were far enough behind them where by the time you actually got over to start that, we had all of our problems worked out and mm -hmm. it was ready for. It's very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. On that subject is for to keep on a job like this, two buildings, 10 floors, 10 sections rolling from da, da, da. We don't expect that. Mm -hmm. Once in a while it does happen. I do have job sites and we've had them where we did go from area to area, floor to floor for the entire job. My guys were here three or four months. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you have one or two breaks in a 10 or 15 section job, right? Whether it be buildings of garden style or a mid-rise or whatever, where you're building sections and floors. If there's a couple breaks, nobody, nobody's gonna die over it, right? Yeah. But if it's every floor, every half a floor, and then there's go back and everything else, yeah, that just becomes too arduous. Mm -hmm. Not too arduous, we still have to do it. It just becomes a lot more work for you and me. What happens if I have to tell you you're going to have to leave the things didn't go to plan and we didn't get inspections passed on this next floor and you got to leave for a week. What happens? What's, what's well, first off, it sucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It sucks for you and me both. Just kidding. But it, um, there's a lot of things that have to happen, right? Mm -hmm. First off is material, right? Before I can have labor on the job site, I got to have material, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got to back off my material. No different than any other sub. I get delivered to the job site here. They put me back in line right my supplier hey push me off till next monday they might already have next monday booked now that creates an issue for me coming to the general contract i know you're pushing me back a week but i can't get material to wednesday of the following week opposed to monday this is what comes with that problem that comes with the problem don't back me off right mm -hmm. same exact thing for labor right same thing they're going to go somewhere else i've got to do something else with them mm -hmm. rarely will they go sit in the house right yeah if i don't have something else on this job site I might have something else on another job site. I might have to tell them I don't have anything for a week. And I'm just rolling the dice. Whether they come back Whether or not. they come back when we need them. They'll yep. come back. Again, with Roswell, we try and have the same subs doing for years and years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not uncommon through my 25 years here at Roswell Drywall. I've got some subs that have worked maybe the whole time. A lot of them 10 and 15 years. Yeah, some come in, some come out, and they work with us for a while on slowdowns. You lose some guys, but these guys stay around for a long time when they got it good, but I gotta try and find something for them. That creates another issue for me. Not your issue, right? What do you care? But me, it's more, or the subcontractor, right? Is, well, we gotta find somewhere for these guys to go. Cause I'm not gonna pay them out of my pocket to sit. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna pay me to let them sit at the house, nope. right? They're not gonna go clean floors or do whatever. They're drywall hangers, right? Mm -hmm. So that's probably one of the, the, the two main, main issues, right? What's the next step after that? How do we recover the schedule? That's what I'm asked by general contractors all the time. Okay, I've delayed you 10 days. I've done this, I've done this. I still got Jip Creek coming here in 12 days from now instead of 15 days from now. How do I make it, mm -hmm. right? Can we find more men? Can we, um, the first, I always try and solve that problem without a cost impact, yeah. right? Then if I can't, inevitably, and I will say with the younger crowd, it's, well, we still need it. You gotta find a way and I'll pay for it, right? Very rarely, and I don't want to cost a general contractor because at the end of the job, you know, people above you and me, right? Mm -hmm. We get done with the job. 
And they look at it and go, Roswell Dry had a $2 million contract, but in the end, we did $2.5 million. They don't know why we had $500,000 in change orders, acceleration pay, or whatever it is. They just know that Roswell Drywall now back charges a lot. Mm-hmm. Don't know where they were change orders. That's just not what they look at. They don't investigate it. They look at $2 million, 2.5 at the end, and that's it. So we try as a, as a contractor to not back charge and not do the accelerations. I'll try and come out here and work it out. But unfortunately, what happens is, you know, you want to pay me to accelerate it. And that's just another avenue I have to go down, another strain mm-hmm. on our relationship or strain on my job, our jobs, that we have to accommodate, right? Mm-hmm. That's really the only things that happen when something's pushed out, right? And then what gets piled on top of it afterwards, mm-hmm. right? You've got chip creep behind drywall. You've got painters. You've got cabinets. You've got that. That creates a problem for you. It's a snowball Rescheduling, effect. right? Mm-hmm. And once in a while, people won't accommodate. Mm-hmm. you got a line item in your contract here that says, you're to accommodate my schedule. This is my new schedule. I've been said it 100 times. You're, it's your time to punch out this unit. You don't have power, don't have trim out done. doesn't matter. It says do it. If you don't do it tomorrow, you're on notice. That's an experience talking, unfortunately. That's the thing that I don't know where I'll ever get past in construction until that person Gets, has that happened to them a few times and they don't succeed. Yeah. Unfortunately. That, that happens far too often. And sometimes we're put in a position where we don't really have a choice. Uh, yep. But it's not as often as some might think. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're put in the situation, some jobs right now have issues with Georgia Power not being able to get their equipment. And that's a whole different ball that's of wax. Whole, we could spend a whole half an hour just talking about power issues oh, and, yeah. and allocation of materials throughout the industry right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and that's been the last two years where that's really yep. come into a, um, a bigger got, effect. No different than your job. I've got jobs sitting six months. Yeah. Got a small job right now in um, down College Park area. Not a big job, 150 units, something, another. Mm. I'm done, hung out, punched it twice. They're not getting switch gear till November. My goodness. This is end of January when we're speaking, right? Mm-hmm. That job's going to sit there. It's going to mm-hmm. sit on my retainage now until it gets punched out and turned over to an owner. It's not a good situation. No, that's not a good situation for anybody, anybody. at least of all the owner, because they can't, they can't lease, they can't lease, lease, lease or out. rent the units. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And that's a money loss, right? Oh, yeah. That's a money loss for everybody involved. So we've talked about materials uh, quite a bit, but let's go into a little more detail on that. What's involved when you have to set up materials? What are the things you have to take into consideration to get the material to the job? And how do you deal with some of the challenges that we have on some of these tighter jobs? So in the process of getting material to the job and logistics of it, um, you know, availability of the material, should start off very early in the process of Mm -hmm. us contracting, making sure that we do. Um, Then when it comes to getting to the job, you know, with my suppliers, I got to get them something a week, two weeks in advance of the quantities of material. And they guarantee me because of our size, they'll get it to me if I can get it to them two weeks in advance, Mm -hmm. a delivery date one week in advance, right? So I've got to get those quantities set from Roswell Drywall Will do estimates on these on these job sites and then those material counts come to my site supervisors they'll walk your units they'll double check make sure that those quantities are close we'll make some adjustments uh we make a stock sheet for our suppliers 
because um, our our material when we purchase it you know a lot of times I'll get oh well, Home Depot sells it for this why are you charging me this my price is out here with a boom truck them rolling it down hallways and stocking it exactly where I need it. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the beginning of this discussion, making it easy for my subcontractors. I can when they get here. I don't just stock the board randomly around the floor. If it needs 13 pieces of sheetrock, that's what it's getting in each unit, mm-hmm. right? And then the logistics of it is getting it out here. We got to find a spot that's easiest, again, to try and make it as easiest on our suppliers getting it in to not affect your schedule, mm-hmm. right? Um, our suppliers have everything we have. That's all they do is drywall. So whatever I have, I just put one PO. They've got just about everything for us. I don't have to go to multiple suppliers to get stuff. So it's logistically easy because for my superintendents, they're dealing with one, one supplier, mm-hmm. right? So they schedule them on the job site. We work with a site superintendent to find a spot for us to unload our material and get it in there. How many suppliers do y'all use? Because I'm sure oh, you don't have just one company. No, we don't. We can't. We're a good-sized company, um, and we can't just uh, can't so re- on rely just one on one. Uh, we try and let one just stock each job, right? But how many do I have right now? Well, seeing I work all over the southeast, um, the low number would be four, probably seven or eight in total, but some of them are kind of part of the same company, mm-hmm. right? L&W and Rue could be two, two companies. FBM and United used to be two different companies. Now they're one. Mm-hmm. L&W has went out there and bought up a bunch of different drywall companies. So in Charleston, it might be an L&W company, but it's that. But it's about four or five different guys that we're probably pretty consistent with. We can't thin it out too much or we lose our buying power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, about material and availability, which we touched on, why we do well as a, as a subcontractor supplying your jobs is our volume and then only using a few different suppliers with right now where you're in an allocation for it long story short of it is if they get 10,000 boards in and I buy 50% of their material every month I'm getting 5,000 if you are small contractor and you need 5,000 boards but you're only 3% of theirs they're going to give you 300 boards a week that's it that's just how, how allocation works it goes on your buying power Luckily for Roswell Drywall, we're one of the bigger guys that do it, and we get some pretty good. I may delay you right now. If any job sites I've got going of well over 30, I'm delaying a week, maybe. I know companies out there are three and four weeks waiting on drywall. Could you imagine you in this job site that we're on here waiting three and four weeks for me to stock one floor? No. You would lose your mind. I've had calls recently from general contractors of jobs that we didn't get about this size. Our competitors were quite a bit under us. Don't know why, but they can't get drywall. They're asking me to supplement at this point. So there's just for material. Well, if they're going to give me material, they're going to give me labor, which we obviously are not going to do because we don't want it done to us. But that's something a general contractor needs to look at when they're looking at a subcontractor, Mm -hmm. not just the dollars and cents. It has to come down to the relationships and the you know previous production they've done for you if you know they can do the job you might have to pay for it roswell drywall we like to say that we're a pre i would say we're a premium company we don't get paid any different general contractors still come to us and tell us the lowest number and we got to try and get to it now again with buying power a little bit we can kind of beat up some people with production right Mm -hmm. beat up's a bad word right but call our supplier and say hey they're willing to give us this job but you gotta drop five cents you gotta drop 
you know, per thousand. You've got to drop some numbers and we can get this. And I get it down as close as I can to your lowest number and we sometimes get the job. Sometimes I can't get there. <laughs> yeah. Now there's, there's, uh, and it comes down a lot of material on these jobs. They're a big portion of our contract, yeah. 50 over 50% in some cases. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made on our end at the beginning. And it's trying to decide there's always going to be some, um, divisions that you have to go ahead and make the decision to not take the lowest guy because you know it's going to benefit you sure. if you go with this person but with that you might have to go with the lower guy somewhere else to be able to balance the budget and uh, some of the key trades in my opinion one is the drywall being able to do large production and good quality work and not a bunch of loose ends is something that can make or break uh, the project when you're talking about getting towards the finishes. If you've got somebody coming in and they can get every single unit, but they miss a sheet of drywall in the bathrooms, you can't hang your uh, cabinetry, tiles, stuff surrounds, trim out. Yeah, really. And so I mean, it, finishes and can't it, complete till I'm done. Yep. And if you can't get them to come back in and finish those things, that becomes a big problem down the road. And so being able to trust that company that can do that quality control and make sure that once you get in an area, you don't leave that area until that area is 100% complete. And giving you the opportunity to be able to do that is very important for us to give you that chance. And if we can't give you that chance, we gotta understand that there's gonna be an issue with it. We might have to knowingly go into that There'll situation. There'll be scheduling cost impacts. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's what everything comes down to here. Scheduling cost. Yep, and sometimes you have to knowingly go into that like if you have an outstanding RFI for a structure problem in a unit stack, but that unit stack happens to be in the air first area that you've got to start, you got to say, hey, Chris, can you come in here and hang everything in this area except for that one wall on all four of these units right here that are stacked up? And before I come to you, you got to understand that at some point you got to come back and hang it. I'm probably going to have to pay for it. The key is the word you said right there. Understand you're going to have impacts, right? Yep. I get it all the time where they just don't understand yep. why that's an impact. It's drywall. Just hang it and finish it. Mm -hmm. What? Uh, I can't just hang and finish one board in in this unit, you know. Coming back for it is a cost and a schedule impact. Well, it only took you this long to do it the first time. Less boards, less people, takes longer, unfortunately. There's more logistics, right? We've touched on logistics a few times of, of that, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not just hang one piece of drywall. A guy's got to pick up his tools and go over there and do it. We have to get material to that area if it isn't there already. Mm -hmm. In your cleanup, now you're, go you're traipsing through a lot of times a finished area. Yeah. You know, I... Again, try and clean up, you know, clean up after my hang, clean up after my finish. Now, if I have to go back in there and hang more drywall after I've already cleaned up, mm -hmm. it's more time, more money. Now, speaking of cleanup, one of the most important things from our end that people need to understand is you and I have had this discussion way more than once. Mm -hmm. I have to provide you with a clean area when you start. Mm -hmm. If it is not clean when you start, I have to understand it might not be clean when you finish because there's other trade stuff that's there and you're not going to clean out their stuff. And it's in my way and it's unsafe. Mm, right? That's right. And you know, the same, you've heard me say it a hundred times. My line item is you give me, you know, mm -hmm. a clean area. I'll give you back a clean area. And why is it really key for me for drywall, right? Mm -hmm. 
this is you know something to really take in i think is why is it so key that i get a clean area and give you back a clean area right if it's not clean when your plumber goes in and your electrician go in they both make a big mess they're both making a mess mm-hmm. what comes after them is me right usually or mm-hmm. another another sub but what's after me is Jipcrete. yep right which a lot of people you know, especially newer to the business, don't even know what Jipcrete is. I've had to have the discussion of, you know, you have Jipcrete in this building, right? What's that, mm-hmm. right? The fact is, when those guys show up, you know as well as anything, if it ain't ready, you only got to get them back for a week or two. And if it's a mess, they're really going to complain. Right now, it's six weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it a could huge be six impact. Week. Huge. So, at Roswell Drywall, my main focus, a lot of focus these days is on... Uh, durations durations you got to make this you got to make this well if you give it to me late going back to an earlier thing push me off Mm -hmm. one of the keys which i pride myself on at roswell drywall is we're gonna make your gypcrete date right yeah we're gonna get that floor cleaned even if i'm not even done with my contractual way i'm gonna do that Mm -hmm. me and you are gonna get together as roswell drywall because that's what we do and find a way to get it so you don't miss your gypcrete maybe you got to help me clean or you're going to pay me to clean it again later. That's a, you know, another mm-hmm. discussion, but it's got to happen. So we try and do that. But going back to what I was saying, why is it important to give me a clean floor? It's because I want to give you back one because the next guy that goes in has to have it clean and that guy doesn't clean, right? Yep. Could you tell me, just clean up for the electrician and plumber and I'll pay you. I don't want to do it. I'm probably not going to do it, but I could, right? But the Jipcrete guys do not have that ability. No, they, they will don't never bring clean. brooms, sweeps. They're not. When they come here, they're unloading and pouring, pouring jip. If you're not ready for them, they're packing their stuff up and they're heading down the road. Oh, yeah. Right? 100%. Yeah. So it's important to tailor to me when you get to that part of the job. I'm your second biggest, messiest sub that comes out here. Yeah. Right? Dirt is a mess. You're not going to put that in there. Concrete, boom, they're in and out in most cases, especially a job like this where you're all slab on grade for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. You got a framer, he's a big messy sub. You get him cleaned up and out of there, the next guy that's got the most material and the most mess being made is me. Once you get me and the framer off your job site, I am willing to bet your dumpster pulls drop by half, right? We're both or big more. messy subs mm-hmm. as it goes, yeah. But it. touching on the dumpsters, that is critical. Yes. For being able to make sure we have empty dumpsters so that you can clean and have easy access to get from your area to the dumpster. The better you make it, back to the beginning, the more attractive you make your job. If my my job, my guy can pull his, the boom up there to Mm -hmm. the box and unload and go 20 feet to a dumpster and dump it and you're pulling them every day or two days, whatever we've worked out, I try and push my superintendent real hard to work with you guys keep you updated it shouldn't really be a hundred percent on the general contractor when to pull those dumpsters we as subcontractors should be telling you hey this is getting full you need to pull or hey i need one tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. we should does it always happen no but a lot of times once these jobs when you get them on good production they're just coming every day yeah and rolling those dumpsters over yeah they know once drywall gets started that they're going to have to start coming in each day. And the company that we use has been real good. And they come by and check on their own. <laughs> and they will see whatever's full. And they'll pull whatever's full and swap it out for us. It's just they've been a great guy, a great company to work with. That's and good. it's made things a lot easier out here. Cleanliness of the job makes everybody's It makes job everything better. Yeah, it really does. I agree with that. And then... 
one of the things that you talked about, the Jipcrete. So we did get to the point to where we had some things slowing down, but we had already scheduled the uh, the Jipcrete pours, and they were scheduling six weeks out, and we didn't have any choice with that. So we had already set dates, and I could probably push the next. I had two or three set up, and I could probably push after that third one, push those durations and make it work. But for those next three, if we're having issues, one of the ways we worked around that here was to do the production hang, clean up, spend two days pouring, and then bring in your finisher, and your finisher works right after the jib creek's been poured. And that's just it, another it's a possibility, way to do it, right? Yeah. It's another way of doing it. It's not the preferred method, right? No. You, you, Obviously, me sanding and cleaning up you and pouring gypcrete and having a dust-free unit for the rest of the job site, because you never get that gypcrete as clean as it would have been mm-hmm. after it was poured. That's all there is to it. Okay. Let's get into the real fun stuff. Deficiency lists and punch lists. So doing the quality control on a job, everybody has their own way that they like to do it. I have a process. Other GCs got different processes. Other superintendents with the same GC have a different process that they like to do and what they find works best to them. What, in your experiences, since you've done so many jobs, has worked best for y'all? Do you mean like the process or what, you know, I can lay out, oh, we need to hang, finish, chipcrete, punch, paint. I don't want to go through all that with you. Um, no, not um, that. that. Because that is different. Every mm-hmm. Not every single job. I would like to do it just one mm-hmm. way, but sometimes we have to listen to the GCs and the availability of their cabinets or their doors may dictate how we go through the QC. Mm-hmm. The big thing with QC, and I'm a big guy on it, and I think it comes a little bit, should more come from GCs that mm-hmm. don't seem to want to do it sometimes. They think that that should be left us to us. I think there should be more QCing in front of us and more punch lists made, right? I think that if you've got people on the job site that knows what's going on, I'm dealing with a job site right now, they have superintendents on it. Trust me, it's not you guys. And they're telling me, patch hole. Sending me, putting it on a list, putting it on Procore, patch hole. Right in the picture, you can see that it's not ready, right? There's a pipe hanging out of it or a broken something that it's not ready, but it's on. And then two meetings later, it'll be Roswell Drago been waiting on you to patch this for two weeks, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a big guy of doing your QC, right? Mm. I think your subcontractor, including me, should say, hey, I'm done with this floor. I've QC'd it. Your electrician should walk it and say they've QC'd it before you do drywall. I think that the general contractor should walk their work. I don't think that is done enough in this business. The job sites that do it, the superintendents that it, don't sit in the trailer and they get out there and they walk their job sites and see that it's not ready. They take a tape measure with them and they've checked cabinet areas, bathtub areas, door openings before we put drywall in is always a better job, Mm -hmm. right? So to answer your question on QC, I think it should be accomplished with punch list or QC walks, right? At that stage, I think there's a lot less. Some people don't like to do it because it comes becomes kind of arduous at times, right? Yeah. You guys should just get it right. Unfortunately, I've got a high rise up in Nashville. Nobody can get it right. They're tearing more drywall off those walls than I can put on. They're sending me highlighted drawings of 15 units, and there's at least 60 pieces of drywall that I can't hang mm-hmm. because somebody wasn't done inside the unit 
and they're blaming me for being three weeks behind on the floor. I was Roswell Drywall, three weeks behind on the floor. If I can't hang 20% hang of the floor that's supposed to have been ready three weeks ago, you know what I mean? That's where I get back in your younger guys that just don't know what's there. Mm-hmm. So how do you solve that? I think QC list and having experienced guys walk the work. Okay. If somebody doesn't know what's in there to look at, how can they tell me? And Hey, electrician said he was done. I don't know, that guy may be as qualified as, as that guy to say it's done, right? So on punch, I think QCs. I think you guys do a good job with it. You prepare, prepare a unit for us. It's ready. I know that you guys have walked it. We hang it. We finish it. We try and do the best job we can. Can we walk more? Absolutely, right? And then when we get into the punch process, I think it's the same situation, right? You've walked it. You've identified the problems. You've scheduled your subcontractors in there at a different time. I get job sites all the time. Go, we got one week to punch this floor, and they throw every sub in there at the same time. Well, if sub A doesn't finish till Friday, how can I finish on Friday if they affect my work, right? So scheduling, right, giving people time, no matter what that time is, whether it's one day, one hour, or a week per, you have to give time to each sub and tell them, yep. right? You can't just put the blanketed statement out there, hey, guys, we got punch, get it done in a week. Mm-hmm. See it all the time, right? But if you can say, okay, every week we're going to have a punch list on this building, for an example, Monday, Tuesday is MEPs. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is drywall. Following week, it gets painted. Following Friday, it gets cleaned, right? Boom. That's the process. Everybody knows it. You might struggle a little bit in the first floor or two, but I banged my head against the wall explaining those exact words to a project manager on a commercial job in in Nashville today. I'm like, no. She goes, what? We've had this completion list for over a week, Chris. There's 50 items for you. Okay, I agree, 50 items. What does it benefit me to go in that unit and patch that hole if that hole's not ready? Why would you not put your subs through there two days, two hours, whatever the size of the scope may be, and get them in front of me? No, I think you should just get in there and get what you can done. Okay, well, each patch takes three days. So if I go in that unit and I do one patch, it takes three days, and then the second one gets done and it's three more days, for example, I've taken six days. To do because I can do two patches about the same amount of time I can do one patch right or even three in a unit could be four days opposed to nine days if I got them separately so that's a hard thing to kind of get everybody to understand that you need to sequence your QC out and people need to complete it and again that's where the GCs I think lack sometimes as they don't walk behind some don't right electricians go and do that floor Monday and Tuesday great they have a great punch sequence but if you send me in there Wednesday to start doing my punch and you haven't verified that the electrician finished his work, what have we gained? Nothing. Nothing. You've lost time. You've created headaches. You're pissed at the drywall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, why is everybody mad at me? <laughs> that does happen a lot. And, and I have learned the hard way from that over the years. And I do make sure that we do sequence things as as efficient and in the right order yes being in the right order can is real important making sure you have the um, MEP guys go before the paint or you have the drywaller go in before the cleaner 
if you have it a different way, then all you're going to do is create more work and more time that you have to do it. So doing it in the correct order and, and talking to all of the subs that you're working with, each job is a little bit different, but most of the time you got a pretty standard process that you can do it. We create the punch, the drywall and paint, go in, do their thing. All the other trades work out all their stuff while drywall is kind of doing their punch if it's minimal stuff or if it's a bunch of stuff that you have to do because you didn't do an initial QC before you got to that point then you need to make sure that all the, your other trades go in there first before you start doing the drywall because they're going to bang stuff up. Um, but if you've done it ahead of time, like what we did out here, we tried to, before we got to the punch phase, we made a what we call the deficiency list, which is basically any of the items that were going to take more than a day or two yep. to fix. And it was going to take more than one trade to fix that one issue. So it was... Oh, a hump in a wall. Mm -hmm. We already had trim on it. We're going to pull the trim off, pull the drywall off, find out what's causing the hump, fix it, put the drywall back, finish it, and put the trim in. That doesn't just happen in a day. Nope. That happens in about four days. And so you don't want to be doing that work while you're trying to do your punch. You want that work done ahead of that time so that when you do get the punch, it's the small stuff. Deficiency or completion list, right? Mm -hmm. And people get caught up in that term right yeah do i think a gc should make a deficiency or completion list absolutely unfortunately not every one of those items are my deficiencies or they're not even my completion it's work that needs to be completed and i hear it all the time why do i need to make you a list of stuff that you know that needs to be done well do you know it's ready for me to do not all of them are roswell drywall's problems right we covered up a box and there's a hole yes i need to do it not helping your schedule going in there three times mm -hmm. we already touched on that yeah so where do we get it better is to be efficient make lists walk make sure the lists are getting done make sure it's getting done that is by you know the deficiency and completion list i think they're a great thing unfortunately they add a step but in the end you'll finish a better product and in the end what are we all trying to get to we're trying to sell these to an owner right. and we're trying to move on to the next project as mm -hmm. simple as that sounds i've not simple or vague as that sounds you know we're trying to just sell a product some job sites might look the finishes might look fantastic and someone might like oh if the owner buys it the owner buys it yeah we're not trying to build the Taj Mahal here every single time you see GCs and people get caught up sometimes and they start to nitpick those walls for every little nick and ding and paint run and this that and the other we'll never get out of that job let's find what the client wants and move on Everybody, to the next one. We're all in production here. These are apartments. Understanding the level of quality that's yes. expected is is important too. Mm -hmm. So you doing a mock-up unit helps with that. Everybody I love gets in there, does mock-up unit. Everybody's on the same page, what they expect in there, and you can always refer back to that unit. Yep. Well, this is the way it was done in here. Can't really argue with nope. it. Now you got to do it everywhere. You can't make unrealistic expectations in your mock-up either that's right you go in there and you punch it 16 times mm -hmm. and make that perfect well guess what that's what the owner wants yep unfortunately yeah I'm a, and same with punch and qc going kind of a little back i'm a big mock-up guy if i'm painting a job i love an exterior mock-up sitting there by the trailer or wherever we've built the mock-up wall and everybody can see what a balcony area or something's supposed to look like and then you can look up at the building inside earlier than that when i'm doing um 
bathroom areas. A lot of people don't do that enough, but we always have a lot of trouble with the rough openings of your bathtubs, how the tile finishes out, what type of tile you have, whether it be bullnose, mudcap, sluter strip. That's three different ways I'm going to hang the drywall for you. The I love on the tubs. Weather the flange. How we're covering that flange and then the product on top of that, yeah. whatever tile it may be. I love doing a bathroom mock-up, right? Mm -hmm. Then we do the full mock-up unit at some stage, right? We don't have to. A lot of job sites will push for that mock-up unit. The day they get some framing, we need to get going on it. You just have to have your mock-up unit done two or three weeks before you're going to be walking with the owner, right? Yep. So you bring them out for your courtesy walk. You don't show them the whole floor that's a mess. Mm -hmm. You show them the one unit. This is what we're going to produce you. They say no, yes. Some want it earlier. Maybe two, three weeks is getting a little late in the game, but it doesn't have to be the day the building dries in. Some of these job sites make a separate schedule for the mock-up and creates a headache for everybody. We can take the first section of the first building and just finish one unit there a little quicker, right? And make it look good, lock it down, and that's your mock-up for the whole job. What about the way that novel did it? With what? They did you have to that refresh little me tiny on. house. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't in the building, but... I've they, done those quite a few different times. How, how, I don't, does that help? Not for quality. Not for quality. It helps out materials, though. It helps figure out where is the problem in the bathroom. Where is the problem with the bathroom door in relativity to a cabinet or a something whether they're dimensionally working which it should work out but sometimes it always doesn't mm. um how some of the finishes go together how is the end of a cabinet or something like that we like to say this all production worked out but me and you're always out there solving problems okay. right on the fly when i do a full unit in an off site situation whether it be in a separate part of the building or in a separate building i've done mm. quite a few times i'm not a big fan of it it can answer a few questions, but it's really more for people before me, you know. If a door's going to work, it's going to work. You can't figure it out with five-eighths more drywall on it, then you've got bigger problems, yeah. right? Bathroom, excuse me, for the tile backers and stuff like that, I'm a big fan of, of doing some sort of mock-up for that. Mm -hmm. Getting a whole unit, but a lot of times we, I'd say in over 50% of those cases where we did those, they had a temporary leasing office attached to it, right? So they did, couldn't walk in the job site. Mm -hmm. to show somebody a unit so they, had, they had like this here you had two trailers one was a leasing trailer and this we turned into a unit yeah. quite a few different times to look just like one of your units out there so they could show people that without going out to the job site that, yeah. which it wasn't done right mm -hmm. some owners just want that and they pay for it mm -hmm. it's usually a line item in my contract to come back and do yep. the one that you guys set up inside the building is just me doing it as a favor well, on this one, it worked out pretty well because what we did was uh, we picked a unit that's in the first area uh, that we start every task. So we put it in the fourth floor of 100B, and so we had everything in that area finished because we had all the material there, and then we just got it ready about three weeks earlier than time to punch, had the owner come out and check the quality, and they had a couple of things that they wanted to do. And then they have a, a third party uh, company that got Graystar that's doing the uh, punch. They brought them out here and everybody got on the same page about uh, what they expect in each of the units. And then boom, we're off to the races. We started punch yesterday and, uh, and it went well. One of those oh, units was the mock-up unit because it was in the first area. 
and it actually worked out really well. Nobody had to go out of their way to go to uh, a completely different area of the building and take their production to a different spot just to get that area, that unit ready. It did work. I think it's very difficult to get without your owners or whoever's going to be accepting these units to not come out and do some sort of courtesy walk Mm -hmm. on your first floor or have a mock-up unit. Yeah. I'm fine with, with either. Again, back to the beginning of that is we're trying to make in turn one person happy that's going to buy these units and they're going to lease them. And you know what's going to happen to these units after somebody moves in. So how perfect do they have to be is a gray area, right? That's why we only spec a level four finish, right? But you know, when they want to inspect drywall and paint with lights and lamps and touch it and hug and kiss the wall, I like to say all the time, oh makes mine and your lives a pain. Oh, yeah. But how do you get away from that happening? Don't make your owners mad early. Yeah, oh, yeah. Make them kind of happy. Keep when them. I've seen jobs with GCs and the owners aren't on the same page. They've argued about changes and stuff like that. And you know what their retaliation is? They only got a couple. is not to accept the units and not pay you, right? And when it gets down to finishes, I pay the price on that, right? Especially if I'm the painter on the job for you. They can pick those two things to death because they're pretty easy to look at. They can't pick out what's inside the walls, right? I was like, look at the, the face value. Cabinets are usually come out of the box. There's not too many nicks and dings, everything else. My drywall's been sit there and gotten beat up for, in most cases, three months from sanding that unit to locking a door is about the shortest you're going to get is about three months. And they can pick it to death no heat no air in some of these units and drywall can get looking pretty rough Mm -hmm. and if and we don't want to turn over that don't get me wrong but on the same token if they want to pick on something it's the finishes oh yeah and drywall and paint can really pay a price there was something we talked about when we when we talked about the uh the qc aspect of doing a deficiency or completion list um one thing i don't i've never seen the value in is as i'm walking around creating a list of things that need to be done and I've walked five floors and I've found 10 things across those five floors and they need to be done but I don't really want to give it to you because you're gonna go do those 10 things and then I'm gonna walk again in two weeks and other things are gonna happen so that's why I think you need right a process, yeah, a process, and right stick time. to it. Yeah, and so we kind of had a little bit of lull in production just because we were waiting on the uh, cabinets. So we took that time to uh, go through the units and, and do that completion list. And so what I want to do moving forward is doing a QC line item for the major task once you're done with uh, your sanding and we've done the first coat of uh, finished doors and trim and things that are gonna cause the most damage, the cabinets, the countertops, before we get ready to trim out and uh, flooring, have a time frame that we go in there, we create just like we would do with a punch list for that area of that fl- of a floor, create a uh, completion list or a deficiency list, whatever you wanna call it but a list to get those longer duration duration items out of the way out of the way so that's done before a punch so doing it and planning for that i don't think anybody will complain with that if you stick to a process we might not like your 
sequencing or process, but if you stick to it and you're, you know, do it the same over and over, you don't keep changing things, yeah, I don't like to go through there, but like you said, what's the sense of me going to fix 10 things? If you're going to turn the power and water on in a week from now and you could have four or five more holes, mm-hmm. what I get all the time is, well, you'll be that much further along. I just don't agree with you. I just won't. You'll never get me to agree with it. I've been doing it for too long, and I can tell you how much more time and money it costs me. If you don't care, that's fine. It just fractures a relationship later on, right? Mm-hmm. So if you got to try and work with the subs, we got to try and work with you. It can't be our way or the highway. It can't, we can't be a Jip Creek company and say, we're coming this day and we're going to be there those two days and that's it. You know, we have to be flexible. Yeah. And we like to think here at Roswell Drive, while well, we do, we try and base relationships. And that's my position here at the company is come and, you know, if we do have a little bit of a problem, I want to come and try and make a logical choice. Yeah. And that's something else you get with Roswell Drywall is somebody like me that can make a decision, yeah. right? What are, you, what are your biggest problems in your job site meetings is you have superintendents sitting there that can't make a decision. That is very frustrating. It is. Now, I like to think my guys can do to a certain point, but me and you working together and same with other clients, they know they can call me yeah. anytime. I'm available, and that's kind of one service that we kind of provide. I can usually talk through just about any situation, as you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can definitely talk. I mean, I can. um, Whether we end up with the result that I wanted is to be seen. Yeah. I let you win sometimes, don't I? Oh, yeah. Every now and then. But to that point is I'm doing this long enough where I can kind of figure out every situation. There's only so many situations in drywall. So Mm -hmm. explain to me your problem. Let's go through it. We'll try and find a solution. Where do we have a problem is when people don't want to find a solution. It's my way or the highway. Doesn't do anything for us. Okay. You pay for it somehow. Somebody's going to pay for it. I don't care. That's the way I want to do it. You don't even want to have the discussion? No. Okay. We're not going to. We're going to do the work. We're going to do what we can, but we might not do more work. How often do you see that? What's that? Oh. Somebody we have a, there's a, a, there's a list. Like there's a list of superintendents and general contractors that we know as my way or the highway mm-hmm. you know they're they're cut and dry and then all of them have a little different you know take of what it is you know some it's duration i got a couple guys that hey we're doing five days and seven days i don't care if it's eight units or 80 units you're getting it done i don't care come on guys you got to work with me cold weather i don't care this is then that's their their stance and we make a decision as roswell drywall whether we want to deal with that or not mm-hmm. and charge accordingly mm-hmm. right a lot of times we will ask who the superintendent is. For me, that's a big thing. When it comes to production on the job site, the head superintendent and his crew are the, the catalyst of how I know how that job's going to go and whether I want to do it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain guys, and in 25 years, it's not many people that I wouldn't want to work with again, but mm-hmm. it happens. It's, no, you're going to do it this way. Okay, well, that's not what my contract says. It's not what the con- that's not, you know, what your schedule says, but you want it this way? We have to have a discussion, but sometimes they just don't. It happens a fractional percentage of the time, though. Yeah. We try and not put ourselves in that position. Mm-hmm. Learning mm-hmm. the hard way. Sometimes. Many, many, many jabs. Thousands of jabs. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I run into these guys, you know, and they have been doing this for 20, 25 years like me, and they have a lot of projects under their belt. But it's hard to compare the number of projects that you've done to the number of projects I've done. Okay, elaborate on that. How many do you do in a year? It doesn't, because they all over, they all overlap, right? Yeah, for us, it's a year to a year and a half on Each average. job. Yeah, for one job. So let's say right now, I guess we'll try and put it in some sort of perspective. How many do I have? I have over 30 superintendents. 
mm-hmm. right now. Some of them handle more than one job. So I probably got somewhere between 35 and 40 active jobs right now, mm-hmm. right? So that's a lot. In different stages. Yeah, in different stages. You know, some are in punch like yours and mm-hmm. some are in pre-hang and metal framing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just tell you, I can't tell you how many a year, we always have 30 going, mm-hmm. would be our low number. Okay. Um, in a year complete, 30, right? Mm-hmm. But if you think about the number of jobs, then the number of units that I've been in, mm-hmm. it's more than any general contractor, one man can do. Oh yeah. You know I mean? More than you'll ever run in your life, I've already ran, mm-hmm. you know? We're not too far apart on age, I don't think. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, we get in a lot of units. So I have a lot of experience, right? I've mm-hmm. just played more ball games than, than that guy has. Yeah, That's yeah. all there is to it. I mean, the number of units that I've been in, a general contractor usually can't compete with. Plus, you've seen a lot of different ways that GCs can operate. You deal with a lot yep. more GCs, and we don't see other GCs. We work with our own team, our own company. So you have more access to different experience across the board. And so I've always tried to take what you say and try and learn from it, Mm -hmm. take whatever I can from a a job that you experienced in a different way that that superintendent ran it and try and keep that in mind when we're trying to make a decision for what's got to happen on this project. I think that you can learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. I have that little motto I say sometimes. Oh, yeah. Try and learn something new every day. I yeah. really do. Whether it's about work or life, mm-hmm. right? You can learn something new. And you know, like you said, I have different GCs that we work for, and so we know how they work their processes, and mm-hmm. we accept some of it and deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not my way or the highway. I can only thing I can say through my experience of doing thousands and thousands of units, right? Mm-hmm. More so than some other people, is is that I've done it almost every way, mm-hmm. and every time the new you know, young hotshot or old man that I've done it this way wants it done a certain way, you know something? I'm the guy that makes the decision to say, okay, fine, we'll do it your way. And I don't do it on purpose to prove them wrong, but most of the time I prove them wrong. But if I do it that way, because I tell myself I want to try and learn something every day. Mm -hmm. No, Chris, we're going to punch it this way. You're going to do this. You're going to hang this. Okay. That's your, your line. I'm going to take it, right? We're going to know real quick if it works. And if it works, I put it in my my book in my mind mm-hmm. of, hey, this is one way I can do this. Mm-hmm. There's more, one, more than one way to skin a cat, right? Yeah. But there aren't that many, right? I can't have 30 different ways this is running. And same thing with supervision. You know, here I'm general superintendent. I hire, hire and fire the, the superintendents that work your job sites. And I got to have them all working on my system, mm-hmm. right? System I've developed over years of how we are going to take off units, how we're going to hang them, how we're going to finish them, how we're going to pay them, what your daily you know, your daily work is as a superintendent, you're all going to do it the same way. You can have your own little style, mm-hmm. but in the end, you're going to do it my way. You're not going to report payback to me different. You're not going to call your subcontractors and have them do stuff differently. You're going to learn my lingo for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing that. I got a few young guys working for me now. And well, where are we at? And they're saying something. I'm like, okay, I can't communicate with 30 people in all intents and purposes in 30 different languages. We all got to be speaking the same construction consistency yeah. consistency so that's something i kind of preach with but i'll try mm-hmm. in most cases i'll try if i can't get the guy to kind of see it my way that this just isn't going to work look i'll show you for this building we're going to go do it but i'm going to show you at the end of it you didn't get any further ahead hey and i'll tell you what in this business for the most part you get to the end of that situation if i've put my heart into doing it the way and he sees that i've done that a lot of times they come around mm-hmm. and they go you're right this isn't working 
I don't look at it as a win. I just look at it as a help to the industry. Mm-hmm. Building know, relationships. Relationship with him. I've proved to the guy that I'm willing to listen. And I, you know, taught did the job. Taught him something new. Yeah, I may have taught him something new. Mm-hmm. I may have gained a client for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Do I know different than me and you sitting down, going through the schedule? Mm-hmm. You remember back at the beginning of this job, you had a schedule like this. Mm-hmm. You had units and corridors separated and da-da-da-da. In the end, you gave me more time to do my work, but I saved you time in your overall schedule. Overall, we overall, saved a lot of time. A lot of time. We work together, we get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, I'm a subcontractor and I got to just eat crow and do it your way and show you at the end that it didn't work that way. I have to say, after working on the GC side for almost 14 years with Juno, it would be difficult for me to transition from this side to your side because of that one aspect. Being able to deal with those other personalities and do it the way somebody else wants to do it, knowing that it's not the best way to do it. I would have difficulty with that. It is tough. And it is, um, you know, like I said, I hire superintendents. And where do I find superintendents, right? We can get Mm -hmm. them out of school. We can get guys from other drywall companies. GC superintendents, some of them, I pull over to the subcontractor side for the opposite of what what you're saying because Mm -hmm. they don't want to deal with certain things. Uh, The hours are different. The... Mm -hmm moving from job to job sites different so there is some differences there but you do have to get used to that now now you're not the number one dog mm-hmm. on the block and sometimes i lose superintendents the same way they go to a general contractor because they're sick of getting yelled at they want to be the guy yelling mm-hmm. and then they get there and they realize that you're always getting yelled at by somebody everybody is. there's always somebody above you Borrowed okay. yeah. downhill, don't it? As they say in construction, shit rolls downhill. It right? sure as hell does. It sure does. I tell my superintendents all the time that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sorry, I'm getting yelled at. So are you. Everybody answers to somebody. Patrick, he wore me out. Guess what? It's your turn, mm-hmm. right? Of course, I like to look at mistakes as learning yeah. lessons. I try and learn something. I don't just yell or fire people when they do make a mistake on the job. GCs would like me to. Same thing with safety on a job site. You know, I don't believe in kicking a guy off the job site when he doesn't follow safety procedures. Of course, if he's done something really bad, yes. My my idea, to retrain him. It's gonna sink in eventually or they're gonna quit, right? You bring them in here and they get another safety meeting. If they have to go through a safety meeting every day for a half an hour, they're losing a half an hour of pay out there every day or production, they're gonna get it or they're gonna quit. Yeah. Right, we're gonna find out. I believe in retraining. I believe in taking a mistake as a learning experience. I try not to fire guys if they make a big mistake. Some companies will, you know. One of my superintendents forgets to put RC channel on the corridor walls. You got to tear that all out and put RC channel back on. I don't immediately fire the guy. No. I don't. It's tough. GCs will. Those General are those are will. those are rough, but we try not to let that happen. You can make a mistake. You're human. We all are. Nobody's perfect. You can make that mistake, but you can make that mistake one time. Don't make it again. Especially if it's a big one. Yeah. And because that'll show if you make that mistake more than once, it shows that you don't know how to learn. Yep. And if you can't learn, it's difficult to stay in this business. Yeah. I've got certain ways of teaching guys. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of look at it like I'll explain something to you three or four times, especially a younger Mm -hmm. superintendent. 
this is my insight, and you can agree or not agree with it. I don't know about the ethics of it, but you know, I'll teach you three, four times how to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. I've told you these terms. I've told you this. And then if you're just not getting in it, I'm going to start pushing on you. I'm going to be. I'm going to ride your ride your butt, which mm-hmm. I watch general contractors do to their superintendents. Oh, I'm yeah. going to ride you. And what happens in that, especially with a younger superintendent, they either get it or they quit. Oh yeah. But there's only one way to find out if you're going to make it in this business. I've got superintendents that have been with me for 20 years. You know, they get it. Mm-hmm. They might have went through the, I like to call it the beat on it stage, right? <laughs> the they training phase. It. Training, yeah. yeah. I like to train the guys up as best I can. If they don't get it, I push on them, right? Push on them, I'll come to their job every day, and I'll just walk and wear mm-hmm. them out. I'm pretty good at doing what I do. I walk the jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't just walk up in this building once. I'll do the same thing to you. Yeah. If you're telling me, ah, oh, that unit's clean up there, look, and we'll walk up, and he'll show me one unit and walk away. Mm-mm. I've already done my homework. I've walked the job. Right. I know the 25, 30 different issues there are, and I'm going to walk you till you see that it's not me. It is you or somebody else's problem. Same thing with my superintendent. When he tells me something's done up there and he doesn't do it, I re-explain it to him. Did you mark out the units? Did you do this? Did you? Yeah, I did it. I'm done. I'm done. Well, we start walking, and I remark those units. Or I re- whatever quality issue we're working on, I just do it. I just don't do it once. Look, at, you screwed up this window and walk away. No, I'm going to walk 50 units. So they get the point. Mm-hmm. But some people just walk away at that point. They don't want to deal with the pressure, right? So you either learn or you move on. But that's the only way we're going to find out these people are going to make it in construction, which yeah, this yeah. isn't, you know, the Girl, this Scout. isn't this the isn't the Girl Scouts here. Yeah. Exactly. There's stress mm-hmm. that belongs to that. I mean, I would... I see as times have changed here in this business a little bit, the stress level goes up and down, right? Um, ultimately, I'd love to get to a spot where we have less stress, right? I try and the stress that my superintendents go through now is nothing in comparison to what I used to get put through when I was a young superintendent, especially by the old men superintendents of the GCs. Mm-hmm. When they come whining to me nowadays, all I could do is tell them some of the stories of the stuff I had to go through. But... Um, you know, I think that's the only way we're going to keep people in the business is and teach them because in this industry, on another note, right, a little bit is where are we getting the next generation of people here? And it's getting thinner and thinner. You know that. Oh, my God. I can't find supervision. GCs can't find supervision. We keep paying the guys that are any good at all way too much money, which raises the prices and eventually going to take us all out of work, right, when the owners don't can't put the dollars to square foot, right? But so I try and invest in the people. A little bit and try and grow them and do what you can but it's tough man and it's less and less people in this business it is i'm having to find people in different places you what know? do you mean not places places in their life right mm. when i come through construction into what i do probably similar to you i don't know but i'm gonna assume you've probably swung a hammer at some point in your life right mm. yeah nowadays i'm hiring either kids straight out of college who've never swung a hammer and i said eight or nine years ago, I'd have said, okay, if I'm not taking you out of college, if I'm, if you're not a college kid to prove that you got some brains, I can teach you the swinging the hammer part mm-hmm. logic, right? You have no experience, right? Experience, you either have education experience or hands-on experience. Unfortunately, we have nobody with hands-on experience anymore. If I hire a 25-year-old that has no college, he has no experience either. Nobody's going out there and swinging a hammer. And that's the tough thing. I'm trying to take 21, 22-year-old kids that haven't been to college, good guys, but they don't have any experience, but they finally want to get in a career in their life. So I'm having to take a chance and work a lot harder at those types of guys, right? Or I can take a kid out of college and I can teach them the, the logic side of this, right? How many guys like Ed do you find that just change 
Trained the career lately, career. quite a few. I've got three or four police officers. Oh, really? That yeah, they, you know, they just left that. But I don't mind police officers, or I say that and the sound is negative, but it's not. Yeah. Police officers, military guys are usually pretty disciplined. Oh yeah. Right. So you got to find some good quality in somebody mm-hmm. to try and make an employee out of them, especially if you're not just coming. Well, I've ran ten jobs as for the small drywaller, and I'm willing to step up to a big drywall company. Great, I'll take you every time. These guys just don't exist. Yeah. Right now. Same with general contractors trying to find superintendents. It's very guys difficult. of your age bracket, Jay's age bracket, they're just there's a gap between us and the next group. They're not all that good. <laughs> right now it seems like I was right in the middle of the the old guys and the younger generation coming up. I had a lot of experience when I was really young, uh, swinging a hammer and doing the work. Yep. And Royce told me when I got hired on, you're probably going to be on the wrong end of a shovel quite a bit when yep. you're getting started. And I was. And I worked my way up. And I know how to do a lot of the stuff because I've done it, done the work itself. Yep. It's the same with me. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, you know, I've been doing this for a long time where I was a driver. Before that, I was a carpenter. Mm-hmm. I came up, I was almost not one thing out there in that job site I instruct my people to do I haven't done myself. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, I'll get called out on it, and I'll pick up the tools, and I'll show them I know how to do mm-hmm. it. But all the guys... problem is I can't do it all day anymore, no. right? You know, run a bazooka, hang a piece of sheetrock. I can hang a piece of sheetrock. I can cut a piece of sheetrock. I can mm-hmm. do it. Sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Got to get a patch done, and it's a favor. Heck, I'll find a way to get it done. Some guys can't. I got superintendents that can't. But how do you learn? You stick them out on the job site, and you let them watch my guys let the hangers and finishers do their thing and they learn over time. Ask questions. Talk to the ask people. Ask questions. Another thing, I heard a guy this week, you know, because I might ask a couple dumb questions. I said, there is no dumb question. The only dumb question there is is the one you don't ask. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask me the same dumb question four times, you go into the beat on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like the kids nowadays, they just they grew up on the iPad, yep. computer, don't know what... And not all of them, but... Not all, and I don't want to lump them into yeah. a whole situation, there's a, but... There's a number of them, they come right out of college, and they haven't they haven't done anything. All they know is what's on the contract, and that's it. They don't know how to put it together. And they should really just keep mouth shut and, and learn a little bit. But I understand they have a position to do, so I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I really don't. But there's got to be somewhere you get your experience, and that's a gap in construction right now, for sure. I had I had one kid uh, come in, start on my job, and we were putting together the trailer, and uh, we we're putting together the desks, and he didn't know how to use a screw gun mm-hmm. to screw the two pieces of the desk together, and I had to show him how to use a screw gun, and he was 21 years old, and had never used a screw gun before. I was working with my son this past weekend putting a desk together, and I had to help him with a screw gun. And he's used to them, but it was still he was inefficient with it. But mm-hmm. that's 17 years old. By the time I was 17 years old, I could do just about anything mm-hmm. in construction. Because you had to. Oh, yeah. Right? It was just the way of life. You went to work with your father. Um, you know, I grew up where I had uncles and grandparents had working farms. There was always something you were fixing, handling screwdrivers, screw guns. I grew up in a 200-year-old house, which was constantly being remodeled. So we were always working with it. And you got it through osmosis, right? Oh, yeah. Nowadays, kids just aren't doing it. Look at these subdivisions we live in. Their parents don't even know how to fix stuff. How is a kid ever going to know it? So it's a challenge in this industry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the only bright light is 
is that a lot of kids that I've seen down here more so than maybe where I co- are going to college, at least they've got an education coming out, mm-hmm. right? I can, I can work with that a little bit. It's getting over that experience. You're paying for experience. Oh, yeah. And, I, and another thing I like to tell, a lot of people go to, to us for advice, right? And every time I'm talking to a young person, whatever it is field that you're going to choose in life, why aren't you doing it in the summer? Why aren't you doing it as your job? Why are you bartending your way through college if you're going to be a lawyer? If you're going to be in construction, why are you, you know, waiting tables? You know, yeah, it's fun. It might be more money, but you're not marketable when you come out. And then I'm left, I guess it's selfish, training you. You've got the education. Now I had to pay you X amount of dollars and you have no experience. You'll do a lot better in life if you have some experience. Yeah, summer jobs in construction, be a carpenter, be just a general laborer. Pushing a broom. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever you can do to be out there and seeing it happen. You ha- you give yourself an opportunity you to do. go talk to you the people and learn. Then. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, as general contractor, subcontractor, pay the bill nowadays yeah. to, to train these people, unfortunately. Too bad. We, we just got to get better at training. We can't all the young people in the mm-hmm. world. We, we're here for them. Somebody ch- taught me and you at some point. Yeah. I mean, I'm a self-taught person in the sense of I see something, that's how I learn it. But I also looked at a lot of guys like, you know, when I was 25, Jay, that old guy um, mm-hmm. over there, you looked at him, and I would sit with those guys and listen and talk, listen to their BS also, right? But that's where I learned, right? And I try and, I try and give that back to. There's a lot of young guys that I sit and will spend my time like this talking to to try and enlighten them a little bit about construction. I'll walk this job site for an hour and a half and talk, which I obviously have no problem doing. So. Well, I guess we just got to become better teachers. I don't know if I can do any better. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We I don't know if I got much best. more. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming yes, and talking. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.